We thank you, Father, for your presence this morning. It's evident, God, and we receive whatever you have for us, God. I thank you that our ears would be open to hear what you have to say to us, Lord. Our heart would be ready to receive your word, God. And we thank you for your sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice of love for us. Though we didn't deserve it, God, you gave it. And we don't take that lightly. So, God, we honor you this morning. We honor you, Father. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'd like to release the ambassadors to go back. Normally, well, most every first Sunday we have communion, and we normally have that at the beginning of the service, but uh, this morning I felt like I wanted to do that at the end. So we're just going to go ahead and jump into the message. How many of you were at the, the 15th annual Kima Boardwalk Sunrise Service? Wow, we had uh, this morning, we had a sunrise service about... Uh, we had probably about 600 people show up this morning. Even though it was kind of rainy and all that kind of stuff, people were still showing up. And lives, yeah. most importantly, lives were touched and changed. So I want to I want to say a special thanks to everyone that's, that helped out with that, that event. There were hundreds of man hours that went into that planning and execution of that service. And so I want to say thanks. It was a wonderful demonstration of us reaching out to the community to share the love of Christ with those who need to know that. And so, anyway, it's been a good morning. It's been a, a long morning already. But we're good. We're good. Um, this is Resurrection Sunday, as most of you know. And at Life Fellowship, we refer to this Sunday as Resurrection Sunday. A lot of churches, a lot of people refer to it as Easter. And, and there's really nothing wrong with that. But I wanted to give a little background. As Christians, we're celebrating the resurrection of Christ. And the Easter celebration was a pagan celebration that was celebrated during the spring and coincided with the resurrection of Christ because that happens in the spring as well. And rabbits are an ancient symbol of fertility and new life, and, uh, and they're associated with springtime. So eggs can represent fertility and new life and things like that. At some point, the Christians got this bright idea, hey, let's combine this pagan celebration with the resurrection of our Christ, with the resurrection of our Lord. And so, which both of those coincide happening in the springtime. And so that's how Easter bunnies and, and Easter eggs and all that got incorporated with the resurrection of Christ. So you may be thinking, what does a bunny rabbit have to do with the resurrection of Christ? What are Easter eggs? Nothing. <laughs> they really don't. I mean, I guess as a stretch, we could say that uh, when we accept Christ, there's new birth and, and those kinds of things, new life. But that's really where all of that comes from. Usually at Easter time, Resurrection Sunday, once all the chocolate bunnies go on sale, I'll go to Walmart and get them at half price, right? I may buy a couple. So I, <clears throat> so I made mention of this last year, Lewis. And uh, the next Sunday, I had, I don't know how many East chocolate Easter bunnies were given to me, but I was overflowing with chocolate bunnies. So I'm not asking for that this year. Lewis, I'm praying and said that you give $2.5 million so we can go buy a building and get, get a new building. So we'll see how that works out. And I probably will stop and buy an Easter rabbit, but please, you know, I don't need to be inundated with chocolate bunnies this year. But thank you. I appreciate your love for me. Today's sermon is Rejection for Redemption. And if you've missed any of this series, I would encourage you to go back online and listen. This series is From Rejection to Redemption. But today's sermon is Rejection for Redemption. 
And the past two weeks, we've been talking about rejection. Am I the only one that's gone through any kind of rejection? I mean, come on, I know that we've all suffered that. And so I think this has been a really, really important series. The first week, two weeks ago, I talked about rejection happens to all of us. Last week, I talked about rejection can happen quickly. And it was Palm Sunday, and we saw how that Jesus was being esteemed, and just a few days later, they were nailing him to the cross. And so rejection can happen quickly. And again, today's sermon is rejection for redemption. We're going to be going to Isaiah 53, verses 3 through 11, and John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. So if you want to begin to turn there or scroll there or flip there in your phones or iPads or whatever. Um, I was thinking about rejection. And I was thinking that sometimes rejection is bad. You know, if we're rejected by our parents or our loved ones or family members, that, that would be bad. However, there's a mindset that most people have that say rejection is bad, acceptance is good. But I want to talk about that this morning a little bit. My first point is rejection is not always bad. Sometimes the Lord will use rejection to get our attention. Sometimes being treated badly at a job or a situation will get our attention because it will drive us. Well, my pastor says it this way. He says, anything that drives us to our knees can't be all bad because any time we get into the presence of God, it's good. And so sometimes it takes rejection or sometimes it takes being treated wrongly or unfairly to drive us to begin to pray and say, God, you know, I'm really going through something. Will you help me? And also, it can help us spiritually grow up. Now, I know this has happened to all of us, where someone has said something that's maybe been offensive, and we've gotten all, our feathers all ruffled about it and everything. But, but you know what, how are we handling things? When, when somebody rejects us, do we reject them back? Or are we praying and saying, God, what's going on in this person's life? How can I help them to love? How can I help them to experience your love? Because more than likely, there's something going on in their life. And so rather than to react, why don't we respond in love? Am I being reje rejected because I'm acting like a jerk? You know, sometimes we need to be rejected. I, I know that I've, there have been times when, when I've just acted out and, uh, and it caused me to be rejected. If I'm acting like that, how would that draw people to Christ if and when I act like that? Okay. How many of you drive down I-45? <laughs> All right, enough said. All right, so am I being rejected because I'm acting like a jerk? Am I being rejected for being a committed follower of Christ? Those are two very different things. But they can happen to all of us. And we should be praying, uh, let me kind of bunny troll here, we should be praying for the Christians who are being killed for their faith. Amen. I mean, we're seeing that more prevalent today, but it's been going on for hundreds and thousands of years, guys, just because it's not happening in our backyard, or we're, we didn't have the internet back then to see it, it's happening. So we need to be praying for those that are being killed for their, their faith and being persecuted. So again, my first point is rejection is not always bad. We know that Jesus was beaten and rejected and killed as a sacrifice for our ransom to redeem us, to buy us back. He was the ransom. Isaiah the prophet told of the death of the Messiah about 700 years before his birth. 
And so if you want to begin to turn to Isaiah 53, 10 and 11, and start in verse 10. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. He's talking about Jesus, the Messiah. It was the, the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. It was God's desire to sacrifice Christ as a way to restore all of humanity back into relationship with our Heavenly Father through Christ's death. Is it because, well, he's a masochistic God? No, he knew what it would take. And it pleased him to know that there was a way to draw us back into relationship with our Heavenly Father. And it was through the death of, of Christ on the cross. And because of Christ being offered as a sacrifice for all of our sins, we can be forgiven and restored back into, into that relationship. So let me read 53.10 again. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. It goes on to say, he will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. And so as, as the Lord, as God the Father gave Jesus the Son the commission to go out and be a sacrifice for us, it was a good plan that prospered in his hands. God's desire is for everyone to be saved and to have a personal, intimate relationship with Him. Let's look at verse 11. When He sees all that is accomplished by His anguish, He will be satisfied. And there were a number of you that came on Good Friday and we watched The Passion of the Christ. And I want to say thanks to all of you that came, but... You know, when I, every time I watch that movie, I'm just impacted, just reminded of the, the love that Christ has for us. That He would do that. That He would go through all of that for us to restore us back to a relationship with the Heavenly Father. And one of the things that, that I took note of again this year uh, if you've seen the movie, they're beating Jesus with a cane. They have him strapped down and, and chained up, and, and they're beating him with a cane, and, and he finally falls down. And he gets back up. And in the movie, the, the guards are looking at him like, what's wrong with you? Just stay down. You don't have to continue to be beat. And, but he gets back up, and then they flog him. And with those, those things that rip the flesh right off of his back. And it's like Jesus was saying, no, I'm going to take it all on. I'm going to take it all on. So there's no question that I'm taking everything that's being delivered to me. I'm taking on all sin. There's hope for you because of what he's done. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. Think about childbirth. Think about uh, the mother that goes through the intense pain. But the joy after. The joy after that is worth it. I, I would guess. I, I haven't thought of that. You know, if I were a woman, I'd probably be a virgin all my life. There's no way. I don't want to even take a chance on having a baby. Thank God I, I wasn't born a woman. But I guess women are just created differently. And I know they think differently, so, you know. Let's just look at me. Don't, don't look at me. But... You know, when that baby comes, there's such joy. And I guess you forget about the anguish, the nine months and that that 
certain period where you're trying to get that baby out. But when Jesus looks back, he's like, wow, I'm pleased. Let's, let's look at uh, 53.11. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many <coughs> to be counted righteous, for he will bear all, say all, oh. all their sins. Amen. Many will be counted righteous. You know that when we accept Christ, we're counted as righteous. We're brought into right standing with God. Because, as, as we'll read when we take communion, God has made a covenant with us through the blood of Christ. That's good news. We will all be counted as righteous. That's love. That's the love that Christ has for us. That's the love that Christ has for you. Amazing love. We're accounted as being made right, having right standing with God because of the blood of Christ, not because of our works and performance. <coughs> Sometimes my performance as a Christian is not very good. <laughs> and I'm thankful that it's not based, that salvation is not based on my performance because I would fail. But it's based on His grace and His love and His desire for us to be in relationship with Him. So, my first point is rejection is not always bad. My second point is rejection can be unjust. Let's look at Isaiah 53, 3 through 9. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and he did not care. And when we see that in the movie, you know, they're, they're, they don't care. They're like, crucify him, crucify him. They don't care what's going on. They don't have a clue, really, as, as to what's happening before their, their very eyes. Let's look at verse 4. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. Because that was a terrible way to die, and that's how they would kill criminals. And so, you know, anybody just driving by or passing by, riding by, I guess they would be driving, <laughs> riding by on their dock would say, oh, that guy must be a criminal. He's dying a criminal's death. And we thought, they thought, his troubles were a punishment from God. As Jesus was being crucified, some were saying, he saved others. Let him save himself. If he's really the Messiah, let him save himself. Let's look at verse 5, Isaiah 53, 5. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Jesus went through this for us, for you, and for me. Verse 6. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's past to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. All of us. Turn to your neighbor and say, you've been a bad sheep. <laughs> now tell them, but you're in good company, so am I. <laughs> All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Not only was Christ crucified and God go through a horrendous painful death, but he took on the sins of the world. I mean, we can't even begin to imagine what that would be like. I can't even imagine 
what it would have been like to go through the, the crucifixion. But then to have the sins of all my sins. Okay, no, I'm not even thinking about any of yours. All my stuff laid on Him. And then to add all of us. I, you know, I don't think we can comprehend what that was like. Verse 7, He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet He never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before his shears, he did not open his mouth. Jesus didn't try to talk his way out of it and say, Hey, listen, this, these are unfair. These, these are incorrect accusations. These are lies. He didn't defend himself. He knew that this is what he had to do to accomplish that which he was sent to do. Verse 8. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants. His life was cut short midstream. Jesus came for the purpose of paying the ransom for us. I don't think anybody realized the importance of this event. I'm sure they didn't because they were thinking the Messiah was going to come and deliver <coughs> them from the oppression of the Roman government, set up an earthly kingdom. And Jesus said, I'm coming for so much more than I'm coming so that you can be healed. I'm taking on all your sins so that you can have a relationship with the Father, so that you can live the abundant life that I've come to give you. He had done no wrong and never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. My second point this morning again is rejection can be unjust. Jesus had done nothing to deserve death, should he be punished for speaking the truth? Should he be killed for speaking the truth? Still, God used Jesus to bring about a greater purpose and plan for you and me. I want to have a TA moment here. TA stands for transparent, authentic, and honest. And that's where I, I throw my lottery out here and you guys get the... You know, uh, this, this is just real life stuff. And... Uh, you know, honestly, I've experienced rejection for both reasons, for being a jerk and also for following Christ, for being a committed follower of Christ. And uh, the last two secular jobs that I had, I left because I was being treated unfairly. And the first one I left uh, because I've been there about 20 years, and it was actually the company that transferred me up to the Houston area. And so God used them, but... I, I left after 20 years because of the way I was being treated. And it wasn't just me. The company had a history of uh, you would kind of rise to the top and get these wonderful accolades, and then they would take the legs out from you, and you go back to the bottom. Have any of you experienced that in the corporate world? You know, it's, so anyway, I won't get into all that. But when I was being treated unfairly, I told the Lord, I said, God, and looking back now, I mean, hindsight's 20 the job really wasn't all that bad. I was being treated unfairly. But I said, God, I was sitting at my desk one day, and you know I'm a crybaby anyway, but I was sitting at my desk and I was crying. I said, God, I'll stay here in this hell hole if you want me to. If this is what you want from me, I will stay here. And about two hours later, I got a call from a gentleman that offered me a job, and I said, I'll take it. When can I start? <laughs> but, you know, there's something that happens when we 
when we cut that final little thread and say, you know what, God, I'm really going to give this to you. And if you want me to stay here, if you want me to be treated unfairly, if this is part of the process for me, or you have a purpose for me being here, I will stay here. And I've seen it happen time after time in my own life. When I get to that point where I'm like, okay, God, I'm just going to yield this totally, then it's like God does something. Because He's waiting for me. I think He's waiting for us to get to that place of, of really giving it back to Him or giving it to Him. You know what I'm talking about? And so it was shortly after that that, that I left the first company and I went to the second one, which gave me more experience that, help prepare me for this role as a pastor. And uh, then, it didn't take 20 years at this job. It only took about 18 months for me to start being treated unfairly. And I began to pray. But even before that, the Lord began to speak to me. And he told me, he said, you're, you're going to leave this job. I woke up one morning. It was early in the morning. I don't know what time it was. And, and I was just spending time with the Lord. And the Lord said, you're going to leave this job. And I couldn't handle it. I went to bed. I said, God, I can't handle this. So I got up a couple hours later or a few hours later, whenever, to get ready for work. And uh, I said, God, I'm sorry. I should not let my emotions control what, what you tell me or what I receive from you. And so I, I, I repented and I said, God, I, I want you to tell me what you need to tell me. And so twice the Lord told me that, uh, that I was going to be leaving this company. And they were treating me badly and and uh, I remember that I was, I, I'd worked for this company for about eight, 18 months, and uh, there were probably four or five times that, that I met my wife for lunch. I mean, most of the time I was so busy. And this one particular Friday, I was driving, we were, I was going to meet Christine for lunch. I had this overwhelming sensation about the people that I worked with, because I worked with a lot of these guys, some of them were pretty, pretty rough, and Probably some of them were good felons. You know, they they had all kinds of criminal background, history, and stuff like that. And and uh, I love those guys. And I had this overwhelming feeling, knowing that there was coming a time when I would see, I would never see some of those guys again. And there were, there's probably a, a strong possibility that some of those guys would never make it to heaven because they would never receive Christ. And I was so burdened by that as I was driving to meet her for lunch, I almost had to pull over. I could not see. I was crying so hard. But I had this burden of, of realizing that some of those guys would continue to reject Christ. And the opportunity that I had to pour into some of these guys would be coming to a close much sooner than what I realized but my heart was breaking. My heart was breaking for them. And I, I got to lunch and I told Christine what had happened. And, uh, and then I got back to the office and a couple hours later and my boss slid this paper across and wanted me to take a 40% a pay cut. And I said, no, can't do that. With all the responsibility, all the hours, all the things that I'm doing, no, I can't do that. And even though the Lord had told me I was going to be leaving, it felt like rejection. Even though the Lord specifically told me I'm promoting you, 
It didn't feel like a promotion at that time. I felt rejected. I felt, God, have I failed? Well, no, you told me you're promoting me, but this doesn't feel like a promotion. And he gave me a scripture, and it's found in Proverbs 22:29. And it says, Do you see any truly competent workers? They will serve kings rather than working for ordinary men. And I know that uh, God had blessed me with the ability to do well at these jobs, and I excel in both of these jobs. But see, my, my thinking was promotion from God means you move up the corporate ladder. <laughs> and God was saying, no, you're not seeing the way that I'm seeing it. I'm promoting you. I'm promoting you. And... So I went from working for an ordinary person to working for the king. Yeah. Our insecurities can cause us to see things differently than the Lord sees them. And so that's why we need to have the mind of Christ. That's why we need that relationship. That's why we need the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Jesus said, I go that the Holy Spirit may come. Why? To lead you and guide you into all truth. He will tell you about the things to come. And so God will do that as he did with me regarding this job. And it's really interesting because all of this happened on a Friday. And I went home and, and Saturday I began to pray and seek the Lord and, and tell him how I felt about all of this. And uh, God began to speak to me. And I said, God... I don't want to go back. I don't want to work there in this environment. I mean, my my trust factor with these people is broken. And and, uh, and I said, Lord, this is what I want. This is what I would like to see happen. And this was like in September. I said, God, I would like it if they paid me to the end of the year. I would like it if they would cover our insurance to the end of the year. And God, I'd really like it if I don't have to go back. Have you ever been in a situation where you're leaving a job and you have to go back and face your co-workers and peers and you know it's not a, it's not a very comfortable situation so Monday morning I went back and uh, I talked to the the owner of the company he's the guy that hired me and I said Joe I'm not here to plead for my job I'm not here to you know talk about this I'm, I'm just here to talk about severance you know it's clear that this is not working out for either of us so let's just go our own separate way and so, now he didn't know what I was asking the Lord. He said, you know what, Mark, this is what I'd like to do for you. He said, I want to pay you to the end of the year. I'm like, okay, all right, all right. He said, I'm, I'm going to cover all your insurance till the end of the year. And I'm going to give you a bonus. So I got more than I bargained for. I got more than, than what I was asking for. And that Monday afternoon, he said, he said, do you want to you come back in and work for a couple of weeks? I said, no, I really don't. I said, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I've got, uh, there's processes in place or people that are trained. There's really no need for me to come back. And so let's just end this thing and, and go on. He said, okay. So anyway, Monday afternoon, or about 6 o'clock Monday evening, I'm walking out, and it just so happens that my boss is walking out at the same time I'm walking out. And I said, Ted, uh, I, I want to thank you for the opportunities that you've given me, and, 
and uh, I'm sorry it didn't work out. And uh, but but thank you. But well, one one favor I have to ask of you: Would you tell me is there something that I didn't do that I should have done, or something that I did that I should not have done? And he said, he said no. He said uh, you have excelled at everything you've done. I said okay. And he, and he begins to walk off, and he kind of stops, like, what did I just say? So what looked like rejection from man's point of view was a promotion. Listen, God will set you up for a blessing. God will set you up for promotion. And it may not look like you think it should. We need to have the mind of Christ. I said this a while ago. Our insecurities can cause us to see things differently than the way our loving, heavenly Father sees them or sees us. When I was seeing rejection, he was seeing a huge promotion. Without the tension of rejection, we might miss his greater purpose and plan the Lord has for us. Because... Most of us will settle. You know, if they would have been treating me properly at that first job, I probably would have stayed there until I retired. But God has us on a track, and we have to be willing and able to follow His lead. I would have been very content to stay and receive full retirement from the, the first company that I talked about that I worked for for 20 years. That would have been fine with me. I mean, Christine and I still would have served in ministry. We were serving in ministry there. I was probably putting in 45 hours a week, and we were probably putting in 45 or 50 hours a week at the church we were at, serving. So that wouldn't have changed. But I probably would not be where I am today, pastoring my fellowship, had I stayed at either of those jobs. I would have missed some of the difficult situations that have helped prepare me for this role and stretch me. In James, James chapter 1, it says, Count it all joy when you have trials and tribulations, for the testing of your faith builds your patience or perseverance. And when your patience or perseverance is complete, then you are complete, lacking nothing. How many like to go through stretching and challenges? <laughs> so James says, Count it all joy, because I have a purpose and plan for you that's bigger than where you would probably go. Because I have to stretch your capacity so that I can pour more into you because I have a great purpose and plan for you and you can't fulfill all that I want you to do with a limited capacity so I don't want to change the circumstances to meet your capacity I want to change your capacity to meet those circumstances and the purpose and the plan that I have for you Life Fellowship is, is years ahead of where we would have been had I remained in those two jobs. The Lord has always challenged me to go deeper in my relationship with Him. And uh, He's always challenged me to, to go further in my relationship, but also in His calling on my life. And I just have a feeling that I'm not the only one. I believe that God is speaking to all of us who are willing, who have ears to hear, who have a heart to receive, that God wants to take you into a deeper relationship with Him than you've ever experienced before. 
And I have a feeling that God wants to do more in your life than what you've ever even considered. Great are His plans. Jesus gave His life for us. They didn't see the plan of God. They saw the Messiah coming to save them from the oppression of the Roman government. And Jesus said, guys, I have something so much greater than that. I have something so much more important to do than that. It's not about an earthly kingdom. It's about providing a way for all of humanity to come back into the relationship with our Heavenly Father. So my third point this morning is never allow fear or rejection to keep you from God's plan. Let's go to John 14, 6. Jesus told him, he said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Let's, uh, let's go to John 3, 16-18. For God loved the world so much that He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone, say everyone, everyone. who believes in Him, say who believes in Him, believes in him. will not perish but have eternal life. Everyone who believes in Him will have eternal life. And so the people that were at the sunrise service this morning, that maybe they just woke up from a, a drunk stupor on the streets or whatever that were there, if they were willing to receive Christ, yes. Christ was willing. Yes. Willing to wrap His arms around them and love them. So no matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, God is there for us. For God loved the world so much that He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. God, verse 17, God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. Verse 18, there is no judgment against anyone who believes in Him, but anyone who does not believe in Him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. Salvation is not based on our works. It's based on our choice to receive Christ. And we have a choice. We can receive Him or we can reject Him. The heart of the Father is for you to have eternal life with Him, to live a victorious life today. I want to go to 1 John 3.16. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up His life for us, so we ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. This may not mean giving up our physical life, but it may. At some point, it may. Will you be faithful and obey what the Lord asks of you? I want you to contemplate a few of these questions that I'm, I'm going to ask you. Would you be willing to get out of your comfort zone to share your faith with a neighbor? Would you be willing to do that? Oh, well, they may reject me. They may think I'm some kind of Jesus freak. So, maybe they'll get saved. Would you be willing to get out of your comfort zone to pray with someone in need? Oh, they may reject me. I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. They may get healed. Would you be willing to give up a career if the Lord called you to do that? Oh, I could never do that. They call me a Jesus freak or they call me a preacher or something like that. What if God used you to impact thousands of lives? God has a great plan for you. Never let fear or, or anything keep you from God's plan for you. John 10.10, 10, Jesus said, 
The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Don't miss out on the rich life that God has for you. The Lord can heal your hurts and wounds, your broken places. And it begins a start uh, with it begins by asking Jesus to come into your heart. I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and you had a relationship with the Lord at one point in time, but you've walked away. Or maybe you've never had a relationship with the Lord. But God is speaking to your heart this morning. You know that He's tugging on your heart. Listen, there is no shame in that. There is no shame whatsoever. Well, would you respond by slipping up your hand? I want to pray with you right where you are. Thank you. Anyone else? Listen, God loves you. God wants to bring you into restoration. There's no shame in that. All of us that are saved at some point in time came to this place of saying, Lord, I, I need a Savior. I don't need another favor. I need a Savior.
So I lay down my plans and I say, God, I want your plans, which are good and pleasing and perfect. And Father, I recommit my life to you. And I ask you to fill me with greater love in your presence on a continual basis. If you prayed that prayer this morning, this is a new day for you. God bless you. You are dismissed. Thank you for joining us.